Hey friends, good day. Welcome to Tuesday, August the 23rd and to today's episode of Enough for Today. We are in Psalm 58, so find your place there. Let me ask you a question as we get started today. Do you ever get a little bit overwhelmed emotionally or psychologically by the level of injustice that exists on planet Earth? I mean, you can't turn on the news or watch what's happening in the world without seeing rampant injustice. And as a believer, if you understand a biblical worldview and the heart of God, morally speaking, you you can hardly look at the government of our own country without seeing evidence of corruption and injustice, mishandling of the state of things, and uh, doing what is best for the few as opposed to what is best for the many. And I mean, I could go on and on talking about spiritual wickedness, evil things in high places. Well, then when you bring it a little closer to home, it you don't go very long in Christian journey with your church family without seeing that injustice can even creep into human relationships in the church, within the church, within Christianity, um, misunderstandings, um, problems, contention. So injustice is a part of the human condition. And this psalm really is a psalm that deals with injustice in high places. I mean, wickedness at the highest levels of corrupt government. And in that sense, it gives us um, great comfort. And it's a prayer that, in essence, we can pray to relinquish all that's happening in politics and society and world government, all that's happening in our national scene to the hand, the sovereign hand of God. Instead of fretting or worrying or stewing or or becoming anxious about these things or fearful in these things, we um, we can render ultimate justice to the hands of God. And that's the topic of the psalm that's before us. This is about uh, justice and tremendous wickedness, tremendous injustice in high places. Some people believe this was written either at the end of David's exile, running from Saul right before he became king, or shortly thereafter uh, with the mess that he inherited. So, the first, we, read, we read the entire psalm yesterday, and I want to just dive into the first couple of verses. There's a lot of visuals. There's a lot of metaphors. There's some phrasing here that's kind of thick and complex, Hebrew poetry. And so um, let's jump in. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Now, the word congregation, we use it in, you know, in, in terms of a, a group of people, like a church congregation. David's speaking to the congregation of God's people, Israel, okay? The nation. It's a, it's a term that he's applying to the nation. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Are your words, by the way, this is rhetorical. Um, the, 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 the truthful, evident answer is no. So do you indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do you judge uprightly, O you sons of men? So now he's elevating the view to specifically the governing leaders. Are you really in the right? Are you really judging uprightly as you say you are? Now, if you've ever seen what, um, and we live in a day now where it, honesty is not even a goal. Truthfulness is not even a goal. Just deny, say whatever you want to be true, let the media run with the story, and, uh, and it's game over. Just don't even try to make it seem rational. Just deny the evident. Just deny the obvious. So 
that's what's happening in Israel. There's such corruption that they're saying one thing. They're saying this is the righteous, this is the just thing to do. We're God's people and we know, and, 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 and righteousness and justice are far from the equation. It's utter hypocrisy. Now, before we get too uh, high and mighty, okay, we need to remember this is in our hearts too, okay? We're going to see that in verse 3. Verse 2 is the counter, yea, in heart you work wickedness. So you speak righteousness, but you work wickedness. Look at the next phrase. It's a difficult phrase to understand, but you weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. Now, the idea of weigh is weighing out justice. That's the concept. And by the way, this Hebrew phrase is a hard one to get the meaning of into English. And so this is just a literal breaking forth into English as literally as possible. But what is the sense of it? You, sometimes you get a literal translation. You don't, you don't really know what the sense of it. Okay, so let's break it down. The idea of weighing is that those in power, uh, those in the halls of justice, are supposed to be evenly in balancing a, a deliverance of justice, a just balance, okay, a righteous judgment. But he says you weigh violence in your hands in the earth. So, in their hands is this balance that they're given by God, okay? God sets up those that are in power. God, uh, all authority is delegated from God. Not all authority is used to the glory of God, but all power belongs to him. And so they have in their hands this balance to weigh out justice. They're supposed to be the arbiters of justice at a state level, at a national level, um, instituting a moral justice in line with the heart of God, our creator, and the created order of things. But he says, no, you're working wickedness in your heart and you're weighing violence. So instead of weighing justice, they're weighing violence in their hands. The balance that's in their hands, their power, their power to do justice has been perverted into a power that's doing violence and where is that unfolding? In the earth. So the very people that should be executing justice in David's day and in ours often are found to be working wickedness in their hearts, weighing out injustice, weighing out violence. The very ones that are supposed to be punishing violence are sanctioning it, ordaining it, manufacturing it, producing it, um, bringing it to be in the earth. They're using their power, their balance, to weigh out violence in the earth. It's a dark place to be, verses 1 and 2. If you're in leadership, it's a dark place to be uh, in, in a governing situation where the government has rejected the moral standards of God, the justice of God, the ultimate judgment and accountability to God, and the government can do whatever it wants to do, and leaders, wicked leaders, can do whatever they want to do. And so God is confronting them. This psalm really is in some ways a warning to those in leadership and governing leadership that God is keeping score of the injustice and the unrighteousness and the wickedness and the weighing out of violence that their hands distribute in the earth. Verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now, we're going to pause here, but 
This is why we can't get too high and mighty and shaking our fist about the injustice at government levels when we're turning a blind eye to the injustice in our own worlds, in our own relationships, in our own churches, in our own spheres. Because that's what verse 3 says. The wicked, are str- the wicked, those that don't know God. And by the way, we all are born into sin. So that's you and me until we know Christ. Remember, and we've covered this before, God's definition of wicked is not just someone that does wrong. It's someone that is in the wrong in relationship to God. They have not been redeemed or reconciled or reborn through, the, uh, through faith in the mercy and the grace of God, okay, as it played out on the cross of Jesus, through Jesus. So wicked is to be lost, estranged, alienated from God. And righteous is not just about someone that does right things. No, it's about someone who's been declared righteous by God because there is none righteous, no, not one. In and of our own selves and our own strength, there is no righteousness, okay? So we're all wicked to begin with, but this is a person who carries that wickedness out to its extreme, rejecting the grace and mercy of God, rejecting humility and repentance and the offer of salvation, uh, pushes God away and says, I'm going to run at my own self-interest, uh, as my own Lord, my own idol, I'm going to do my own thing. And that wickedness grows up through life and becomes its fullest expression of itself. So that's what's going to happen in verse 4. But we're all there in verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. My friend, you come into life estranged from God and you're estranged from him until, not until you, uh, it's not about earning your way back to him. You can't earn that. You're estranged from him until you bow before him in repentance, admitting the wickedness in your own heart and receiving his grace and mercy provided by Jesus on the cross. So we're estranged. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. But that wickedness matures. Look at verse 4. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ears, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. We're going to unfold these last couple of phrases tomorrow, but I want you to meditate on this today. Yes, there's wickedness in high places, but yes, there's injustice and wickedness in me apart from the righteousness of God. And yes, God is keeping track of the wickedness all around me and I can trust his sovereignty. And so until then, I want to rest in his mercy and grace and ask him to grow me and deal with me in the wickedness of my own life. I want to walk with him. Hey, thanks for joining me on this Tuesday. feels like we're taking an abrupt stop, a stop, but we'll pick it up tomorrow and proceed through this profound song. Have a great day.